everybody and welcome to today's podcast. Today it's our great pleasure to have with us Diane Marsland. Diane is the owner of English Decorative and has an absolute wealth of experience as a textile designer in the interior and furnishing industry. She's been working in the industry her entire life and we're very, very happy to have her with us today. Diane, welcome to the podcast. Hi, how are you? We're good. We're good. It's so lovely to have you with us. Um, we've not met in person for a while, um, but it's yes, it's so lovely to be able to have this conversation um, at last. So, Diane, let's start with our first question. When did you get started in the design industry and how has your career evolved? Um, well, I think you already know that it's quite a long career, so I'll try and cut it as short as possible. Okay. But. Um, I started, I was working in fashion um, at um, college and it was going to be a four-year course, but I decided that I really wanted to be out in the workplace. Mm -hmm. So I saw a position as a trainee textile designer, uh, which is really surface pattern, but they used to call it textile design in the day. And it was working in independent design studio. And um, this ended up being a really good decision uh, because I was understudying master craftsmen. It was actually hand painting, uh, floral painting. It was something I'd never even considered before. And then the studio was also connected to one or two of the studios in Europe. So I was actually quite lucky to, so lucky. to actually train some of the European studios, which was amazing. Very, very um, lucky to do that, Diane. Very. I think it was mm. because um, I suppose nowadays you would call it an internship, but they didn't actually do that in the day. Yeah. It's just that there was um, an agent who was an agent for the studios, um, a Frenchman, Rennie Donoro, I can remember him. Um, and he, he basically introduced us to the studios in Paris and then we were also connected to a few of the studios in Germany as well so it was just amazing experience um, and then I kind of went from the studios to working in the textile mills it progressed to um, working um, in development design and development and so I really got involved more on that side of it and then I did a little bit of buying um, we were mainly working for bed linens mm -hmm. but we did some soft furnishings and and then I went from the textile mills on the UK to overseas I worked in some of the studios in um, South Africa mm -hmm. um, Burger River Textiles and, and then progressed to Pakistan which was really my last job and the the job that I had in Pakistan was actually designing um training designers I I set up a design studio for them and it was creating collections for lots of overseas clients so it was quite international um and that was quite exciting um fast forward to 2002 and I came back to the UK and I found the industry had completely changed I think we discussed that previously yeah. um it was just unrecognisable. Um, design had gone quite simple. It was lots of weaves, and it was very. It was it was the beige era, so I just really couldn't make it in design. So 
I sort of sidestepped the industry and took an interior design course. I worked in retail, selling um, bed linens and soft furnishings. I always kept within the industry, uh, within um, interiors. And I did interior design course. And then I started working as an interior designer in a retail environment. And I think it was round about, I think, 2009 when I suddenly realised that I really want to get back to doing design. So since then, it's been an uphill struggle, actually, to try and develop um, collections um, because everything that I did was hand-painted. So that led me to the the top end of the market and going quite bespoke and doing hand-painted murals and hand-painted silks because that was the direction that I felt was the only way I could go, actually. You have a unique talent, though, Diane. I mean, to have been schooled in Paris, Como and and Kreifeld, you know, you, you have um, a drawing style which is very, very, very hard to, to replicate these days and there really aren't that very many people trained. Your work is absolutely beautiful. I mean, thank, thank you for saying that, but I think in some ways I, I quite often say to people, well, I've certainly done my time. I think really when you work in individual and um, independent design studios, you're expected to be able to to create lots of different styles. And uh, within the studios, you will always have somebody who is, say, an expert in floral painting uh-huh. or somebody who is really good at a different style. And you, can, you understudy all of these um, designers. So because of that, it gives you a kind of a wide style I mean you will eventually focus on your own style I mean mine is quite decorative and I suppose it's um it's floral based as well but but you will find that if you were are in those studios of uh, the studios of the day you were expected to do all these different styles and it's just practice practice and really I think that's all it is really it's just doing it for a long time but it's so important to explore your own creativity with all of those different techniques isn't it because as you say it gives you so much more scope when you're working freelance yeah I think um people say um I think if you can do lots of different styles it will enable your creativity. You, you will be able to create what you what you see in your head. Yes. I mean, I actually think that when I first started, it was so frustrating because I could vision. I had a vision of what I wanted to create, but I was frustrated because I couldn't do it. Yeah. What I found with time and with lots of practice is that your vision is easier to create because you know it's like the route to actually getting there you know the stages of how do I achieve what I can see in my head I want to do this design I can see it in my head how do I get there and I think with all the training all it is it's about stages and it's it's knowing stage one I need to do this stage two I need to do this it's kind of the route to actually getting to where you want to be and that can be taught you know you just basically have to learn how to go through stages but you need to be a little bit patient yes definitely but there is there are absolutely skills that have lasted the test of time aren't they I think so um and it's a it's a shame but maybe um you know I think there seems to be a new generation coming where they do realize that certain things can take time and maybe it requires a little bit of concentration 
I, th I think that's absolutely true. And I think, you know, if you look at the timeline that you're discussing as well, I think about that time, you know, there's a, a whole Photoshop generation of people churning designs out really, really quickly. And I think at that point, it undervalued the, the it undervalued design and the creativity and the thought and the skill that goes into design. And people seem to think that because it was digital, you know, the, the price point should drop. And it did around that time. But I do think that's in re absolutely in reverse right now. I think people really are starting to value the, the, the designer's creativity again. And, you know, the time, the concept, the energy that it takes to come up with best-selling collections. I think that's really true. I mean, when I would say that when I said... Um, in 2002 when it was I saw I thought it was the end of the glory days yeah um it was the beginning of digital and in some ways it was quite good because it enabled a lot of designers to design and it it seemed to produce a lot of designers yeah but basically they they were creating designs within a format and they didn't understand that it wasn't just about working within that format and just being able to create pretty pictures. There was, there's so much more to it. And I think fast forward to now, I think a lot of designers realise that there is a lot more to it and you do need other skills. I think um, I've always said a, a computer design, I, I don't have that skill, but it is still a skill and it's, it's still considered, I think it as another tool but really they do need to all work together and link together yeah. and I also think that um, a lot of digital designers are suddenly realising that they have to think of the end product instead of thinking uh, within an A4 size of pattern yeah. they need to think of what is the pattern going to be for and, and think of the end product and how is it going to look they need to start off where it's going to be first Yes. And then work work the way back instead of starting with a pretty picture and thinking, oh, what do I do with that pretty picture? Yeah. They need to start with what it's going to be for first. Yeah, absolutely. You can't allow the technologies to overtake your creativity. It always has to be a tool, doesn't it? Yeah. Definitely. Diane, what excites you most about designing for printed applications? Well, I absolutely love the whole process, really. I, I love it from beginning to end. I love, first of all, um, maybe discussing a project with a client, mm -hmm. um, whether it's a buyer or somebody for um, for one particular um, design um, or for a retail group. So it's the whole process. Then I love all the planning of it. And then I love actually, it's it's like a big jigsaw puzzle. I like putting all the pieces together and then trying to actually come up with a concept and the idea. So I love all the planning. But then probably um, the final piece and when it's it's being translated and it's being printed i would say the most exciting thing is um is um is probably standing by a printing machine or in this it doesn't matter even if it's a digital printing machine it's actually seeing the whole process and it being printed onto the fabric or the wallpaper mm. um 
I never really get bored of that, really. We are kindred spirits, Diane. I absolutely <laughs> love it. I used to love standing on the decks over the, ro- over, yes. the, over the rotary machines. And equally now, I love standing next to digital machines. And, you know, during lockdown, I have missed that noise. <laughs> yes. Oh, I absolutely love it. And going back to the old style mills, uh, again, a little bit of reminiscing here. I just love the whole, I, I love being there. I love the smells. I love all the dirt and everything. Mm-hmm. I love the machines running. It's just, um, it is, it's, it's just exciting to see um you know the whole process and and the final print great great um, great teamwork as well isn't it it is i mean i've i've always believed i've never ever in my life believed that it's a one man process i i believe it's complete teamwork it's discussing concepts with um with other designers or with the buyers it's the putting the whole thing together i love the technical the technical aspects for instance in the old days when you were limited to so many colors i love discussing how we were going to do it um and then when you actually come to do the design and then you get the whole team um to either color separate it and then the the printers it's everything it is it's a a complete team effort and that's what I absolutely love about the industry oh that's great when did you decide to set up English decorative and why Diane well, I think when I was do when I actually came to the doing the interior design, which in some ways um, was a, a, something I had to do because I, as a designer I wasn't really making it in two thousand and two. So when I was working interior design, I absolutely loved that doing that. Um, job as well. I love going to people's homes and looking at um, interior schemes. But I was using the fabrics. I was using, you know, other people's fabrics. Yeah. And I could also see that the industry was going back to pattern. Mm-hmm. And this was probably the beginning, maybe just the beginning of things like feature walls and everybody in the industry was becoming more bold and the consumers were were more open to colour and design and pattern and I could see it all changing and going from the horrible beige thing to lots of pattern and I was using all these patterns and I just really got kind of homesick for the for for the job I used to do so I I really thought I want to get back into this now this is really what I want to do and I decided to set up English decoratives initially I wanted to build up a collection but um that was quite difficult because I wasn't I wasn't digitally trained so that is when I went quite up market and decided to build upon the math skills which was my hand painting skills so that was when I went more bespoke working on murals um working on the painted silks and um with the intention really of that being the top end of what I do um so that I could then think of how I was going to build a collection and English decoratives really the name I I called it English decoratives was because I, I wanted to incorporate everything that we perceive to be English style, which is a love of the countryside, decorative elements, historical references. So I wanted to combine it. And then the decorative element is is probably the kind of direction most of my artwork goes towards, as well as floral. So this is really the reason I put put the English decoratives together. It looks beautiful. It's a fantastic brand, I I ask everybody to take a look. It's so your work is so beautiful, Diane. Can you tell us about your brand then and the products that you create? Um, 
Well, first of all, I think um, the products I create at the top end of the market um, are all bespoke. So they're usually murals, the hand-painted silk like chinoiserie seems to be uh, the thing I've been doing lots of lately. Mm -hmm. um, I'm putting together collections for printed textiles and wallpapers. So um, as well as the top end, which is my panels and my drapes and the murals, um, now it's going to be fabrics and wallpaper. Um, probably launching the fabrics first. Great. Um, Will those fabrics and wallpapers be digitally printed? Yes, both of them. Yeah. Oh, that's great. It's so flexible, isn't it? It's great. And as you've, you know, you say, it allows you to reach a wider market without stock. That is one. I mean, the, the, there's definitely benefits with digital compared to the old style printing. I mean, it wouldn't have been possible in the old days to have had my own collection because j just the initial outlay for the product development, yeah. um, you know, the minimum quantities, which, you know, going back, it used to be at least about 2,000 metres, I think. Yes, it was. And, yeah. and that would have been just one design. Yeah. It would have been completely impossible. And um, but now you it's you know it's minimum setup costs, and um, it is it's just amazing. You don't have to hold stock, so there's so much advantage to digital printing these days. Do you think it's allowing you to be a lot more creative as well, Diane? I think I actually think I am probably more creative now than I've ever been. I mean, I do quite like being restricted technically because I think I find that a challenge mm -hmm. um, and I think there are still there are still kind of uh, technical restrictions with digital but I definitely think um, that th it does enable a creative person more scope and a wider area to be creative. Now, actually, for me, I think that's quite good. I would think probably for a younger person that could be a disadvantage because if you think of when they teach children to paint, they only give them three colours. Yeah. Um, I wonder whether it may be a good idea for younger people to start off with a few um restrictions to enable them to be creative because sometimes it's like you you know you're like a kid in a sweet shop you yeah. don't know where to go yeah. so no as far but to answer your question I definitely think um digital has enabled me to be a lot more creative yeah. and not be too restricted by printing um uh, problems and numbers of colours and so on. I think that's something that, you know, as an industry, we have to share more of, isn't it? We have to share our knowledge. We have to educate the next generation um, to to show them what the, the technical boundaries are so that they can push at them as well, but also to give them, you know, commercial print briefs, etc. So they actually work in a frame, in a framework yes, to the end, definitely. producing a commercial product. You know, it's not fine art. It is a commercial product at the end of the day that has to tick the demographic of the target audience if it's going to be a bestseller. Yeah, I think, um, I think that's when somebody once said to me about being a, an artist and I said, well, to be honest, I don't actually think I'm an artist. I, I think uh, I just always say that I'm a designer because a designer likes to work to a brief. Yeah. And yeah. for me, I actually have to work to a brief. Even if I've actually put that brief together for myself, I have to, I have to think of the end product. I have to start off by saying to myself, what is this for? What is it going to be used for? What market is it for? Um, 
what kind of colours and uh, am I going for? So I have to create my own brief. So an artist comes from a different place. Yes. Um, I think a designer, it, it's, it has to be, it has to be for something. You know, it has, I mean, I actually think, why are you doing something? It, uh, why are you designing something? If you've not really got an end product in sight, yeah. if you're just painting, then you're an artist. And I see them as two separate things. Yeah, it can't be speculative. Definitely. Diane, which industries do you serve and how has that portfolio evolved? Um, well, I suppose that, that my bespoke side of it, um, I see most of my commissions come from interior designers. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I do get occasional um, just just private um, buyers, but generally, uh, most of my commissions come from interior designers who want to specify me for one of their clients. So I would say the top end that seems to be for that. Um, I think some of my other designs I've been working recently have been um, collaborating with certain companies, say like Art of the Loom, where Mm -hmm. I've been collaborating with them on collections. And um, I suppose my printed collection, because it's something I've not properly launched yet, I am looking at small Um, probably independent interior designers who have got maybe their own shops. I do know quite a few seamstresses who have their own kind of showrooms. And so I would say my collection that I'm doing is probably aimed towards that kind of market. Okay. That sounds, it's, yeah, it's growing so quickly, isn't it, for you? It's fantastic. Hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) No, it is. It's, It's such a, yeah. So many opportunities out there, aren't they? So much convergence, so much collaboration now. Um, you know, as you say, you know, using digital technologies, it's empowered you to explore your creativity into those new markets, which is just so exciting. And as you say, you know, we touched on this off air, just to keep reinventing your own business plan, really. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I know we did mention this and um, and I may probably jump in ahead to a few other questions, but I really do believe that you have to keep reinventing yourself yeah. and, um, and being aware of everything around you and in particular being aware of the market and, and looking out for major changes or subtle changes. I mean, nothing happens kind of overnight, but it happen, it evolves. And I think you need to kind of evolve with it as, um, as the changes happen. Definitely, um, definitely. Let's jump back a little bit. We've kind of talked a little bit on this in a, in a previous question. So uh, your, your portfolio um, starts originally as beautiful hand-painted pr- printed products. How has digital technology then enabled your actual business to grow? Um, I would say it's probably on the technical side uh-huh. because um, in the old days, obviously, I would have uh, done hand-painted a design and then it would have been colour separated. Now, in the old days, I used to do colour separation, but it would have had to have gone through all of those stages and they're the costly stages. Digital's enabled me now. um, I don't personally colour separate a design, but what I do is um, I do the design. I still do it in repeat. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I'm doing a design, I tend to think in repeat anyway because I think of what do I want the overall 
layout. So I actually immediately think in repeat, I think, oh, is it half drop? Is that going to go there? Is that going to go there? So I, I always do the repeat. Then I get it scanned and then obviously um, it has to be colour separated. I usually use an outside uh, worker to do that and she and she does that for me. Um, with regards to doing the colours, what is so great now with digital is the fact that I don't have to hand paint every single colorway, which yes, we used to yes, do, which is did, yes. which, which madness when you think of it now. Yeah. <laughs> so what I do is I still do my my own colours, uh, but I do them just using a Pantone book. Okay. So, for instance, if I've got, like with my floral design, my Joy designer did 10 colourways, and I basically, I still thought of it similar to the old days where you had, we used to call them pitches, pitch one, pitch two. Yeah. I think it's layers now. And um, so I still t- kind of think, right, okay, this is, the gr- this is a green leaf. There's three greens. So can you change that colour to that? And I do my colourways where I just put the Pantone um, references in. And I think my old style training has enabled me to do this relatively successfully because I can imagine what it's going to look like and I also try and imagine like well this colour has got to be lighter than that colour this colour has got to be the darkest so I'll start maybe with the dark and work into light so but digital has enabled me to be able to do that relatively quick I then give that to um, the designer that has been working with me and she just drops these Pantone colours in and I can see them within a morning whereas in the old days it would be a case of painting it and then you know sometimes you think oh no that colour's not right so you have to mix your colour you have to get your paints and mix the colour there's none of that now so I would say digital is so unbelievably um, good at cutting down the, the time um, when it comes to doing colourways. And even if you want to change um, a layout or even you want to change the repeat, you think, well, no, I don't think that's, there's too much space there. Let's move that. So you can do that digitally. So it takes out what we would call the donkey work. Yes, definitely. Um, there, is an, there is a secret art though, isn't there, Diane, that everybody just completely takes for granted and that, you know, as you say, uh, and I do the same thing. You picture things in your head, but having had that training, you automatically balance the colours in your head as well, so that you yes. know that it will be good to colour. Because it's, there are huge differences in in artworks. You know, a design that's really hard to colour generally never really sells very well either. So you know, we don't really talk about it much, but there is an actual art to balancing designs so they do colour well. Yeah, what I found quite interesting, because I had really no knowledge of digital, um, naively, I thought that when you scanned a design, oh, great, you scanned it and you can immediately do colourways. It's a, It was being a, a learning curve for me with digital to realise that you actually still need to break it down to numbers of colours. Yes. So um, I had this interim period where I was doing designs thinking oh great it was like I I was like the kid in the sweet shop and I was just doing designs loads of colors this that and the other thinking it could be scanned and you can just change the color because I thought it was magic but then I realized no (laughs) it still has to be broken down into color so now I actually rethink 
um, I've kind of gone back to the way I re- I think of a design. Um, I don't feel restricted by saying, oh my God, this printing machine has only got like 16 colours. Um, you know, it's only got 16 screens, so yeah. I can only use 16 colours. So I'm not restricted with that. But what I will still, uh, what I will do now is I will still think, right, okay, I only, I, I only want, say, to break this into six greens for a leaf, um, five greens for this flower, five greens for another flower. So I've kind of gone back to still thinking of a design in numbers of colours um, to enable um, to enable me or anybody else to recolor it and make it easier to recolor. So in some ways, I've kind of I'm kind of jumping from one uh, discipline to the other discipline. But I do find it is easier to do good colorways for a design digitally if you can still think of how many colors are actually in the design. So maybe going back to the color chips on the side of the design. Yeah, mixing your palette. Um, yeah. Yeah, as as you do in the design. So I think that is a is a good way of having um flexibility with doing colorways. That's great, isn't it? So you're you're printing high end. So what fabrics and papers do you now print onto, Diane? Could you tell us a little bit about well, those? Well, because because my collection's fairly new, mm-hmm. um I'm really looking at, with the, with the fabrics. I'm really looking at cottons and linens. I mean, I've always preferred natural fibres. I mean, that's just a personal choice. But I think um, these days, um, I, I think the whole thing with the eco thing and and being sustainable that's another thing. But I actually prefer natural fibres. Some of my recent designs I've actually printed on poly velvets, and um, and I actually have used a poly linen, um, which actually hangs really well and sometimes some of the poly linens are really good for upholstery but I think going forward I'll probably stick to linen and um, cottons and I would like to uh, use 100% cotton um, for linen sorry for velvet but um, I've not really gone down that route yet with regards to um, the wallpapers one of my favorite is the mica because I like a little bit of a a sheen. Yeah. So the joy design that I've done is on the mica, and I absolutely love. I love that. Um, I've also used a kind of a matte wallpaper, but I actually don't know what it's called, and that was quite good for a different design. But at the moment, the mica with the wallpaper seems to be what I've been using. I would really love to use um, sisal and um, some of the really textured. Um, kind of um, bam- not yeah. not bamboo, you know, one of these more um, earthy kind of organic, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, ones for wallpaper. But um, I've, again, that's work in progress. I've actually not I've not done that. Yeah, yet. they're available now. Yeah, I think yes, you know, I know. You know, it's the same with the textiles. Really, as as every market explodes and the volumes grow, it becomes easier to to get to sizeable and you know silk backed um, fabric wallpapers at any volume really so you you know the, the mills could they can pull them down and they can offer 25 50 meter rolls now which just makes everything so 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 much more um available for everybody so you can be much more experimental and produce samples too without having to go to any great cost no i think it's fantastic i mean one thing that i do love doing i do 
love experimenting yes. and um, and kind of trying out different techniques and different surfaces um again even if it doesn't come to anything but i just i just like to be able to uh, stretch a concept as far as i possibly can using different substrates and everything um, yeah there's, there's so much opportunity for creativity here that kind of leads nicely on to the next question diane do you ever use both medias together so you mix digital and hand-painted techniques that is something I really want to do, um, and I think the only thing hold, there's been two things holding my holding me back really. Um, one, I don't actually have the um, the expertise, but two, I've not actually had the time to work on this. It's definitely something for the future. I actually thought of probably starting first with a, with a, a something like a Wacom tablet. Yeah. because I look at that and I think, oh my God, I would love to actually have a play with that. Um, it's something for the future. It's something I'm not doing at the moment. It is definitely, um, again, so, uh, something I'd like to experiment with um, just to move on and move, um, it just give me another tool to work with yeah. and cut out time, especially if I want to do something like a small pattern. Yes. Um, I think it would be really good for small patterns. That's great. What has been your favourite project so far and why? Is it possible even to choose a favourite? It's really difficult <laughs> um, because I would say 99.9% .9 of everything I do, I really enjoy doing. And um, it's, it is, it's really, really difficult. I, I love doing my hand-painted work um, and I love doing murals, um, even if they're not necessarily on the wall, um, but I think it's the large scale. I love working on large scale. And it sounds crazy because I probably should be slowing down now um, <laughs> due to general wear and tear. But um, <laughs> I absolutely love the physical aspect of designing. Yes. I love physically designing, meaning I actually like painting. I like standing up and painting. Um, I love working on big projects where I can actually move around and step back and look at something on a large scale. So I would say my favourite projects are usually something which is larger scale. Yeah. Um, and this year I have done a chinoiserie on silks, but probably my favourite one was a big peony mural that I actually did for uh, it was for an interior designer but the client had a beautiful arts and crafts has a beautiful arts and crafts house in Cheshire and um, she wanted a hand-painted mural and I worked on um, a slub silk um, I did most of it in the studio we used gold leaf I used 24 karat gold leaf Beautiful. and there was lots of inky textures. So I liked the texture. I liked, uh, I liked the paintily effect. It was a peony floral. I loved experimenting with the gold. The gold was fantastic. Um, I did actually have to experiment first to see if it would work. And it worked fantastic. I was quite amazed. And, um, and then I, uh, all I had to do once it was installed was just do the joins. So that was really probably my favourite um project that I worked on uh, last year. Sounds lovely, sounds lovely. How do you plan to expand, Diane? How, what, what do you think 22 will bring? Um, it's difficult. I've got a few things in the pipeline um, and obviously they're very much, um, you know, a little bit of a secret at the moment. Of course, and yeah. um, 
there's two particular projects which if they do go ahead they're going to take I think I mentioned it earlier they're going to take a big chunk of my um, year out in the long term I really really want to build up my collections um, my printed collections because I think my career is kind of doing full circle and I really would like to go back to designing collections for fabrics and wallpapers. So that's really where I want to be. That is the direction that I'm actually going towards. But the bespoke side of it seems to be at the moment the um, what I seem to be mainly working on. And, um, and obviously, I always see that as the cherry on the cake because you don't get many commissions. And there's not so many I can physically do because of the sheer fact that because they are quite physical and they are quite time consuming. So I do see myself still doing those, but I really would like them to take more of a backseat and perhaps build up more on, um, on collections. So you would you sell those online through your own website then? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, again, it's, it is always route to market is always the, yeah. the biggest issue. And um, I would say I would have to look at lots of different avenues. I'd have to look at selling online is, is fine, but then you've got all the um, how do you you know you get recognition how do you get it out there yeah. it's all about marketing so i'd probably also look at collaborating maybe licensing and um and also maybe looking at agents um i've got to you I, I think actually um you've got to look at lots of different um ideas and lots of different avenues and not just go down one route i think in the old days you could go down one route i think these days you have to have um lots of ideas and lots of things and lots of fingers and lots of pies i think i think you do I think you have to have lots of different roads to market don't you definitely you do it's, um, yeah you there's too much competition yes there's a lot out there there is yeah definitely um but you know creativity and talent always rises to the top Definitely. Diane, what advice would you give to a young entrepreneurial designer? Oh, that's, um, yeah, that's a, a difficult one. I mean, I think I mentioned it to you when we were offline. I think um, looking back at my career, um, in the early days, it, it, was, it was fantastic. And I never really looked that far into the future, but you just I just thought it may continue. And there's lots of changes and there will always be lots of changes. And I my advice to a young designer today would be just keep your eye out for all the changes and also be very, very flexible. It's not the end of the world if your dream doesn't happen that day. Uh -huh. It's uh, But what you have to do sometimes, you have to recalibrate and you have to say to yourself, okay, um, there's all these different obstacles and um, I've got to find a way to kind of um, negotiate these obstacles or maybe temporarily go elsewhere and, and, and sometimes go into a different industry. I mean, I think I said earlier that in 2002, I thought it was the end of my career because I just couldn't, there was just no way I could actually get my work out there. So I kind of sidestepped the industry and went into interior design. I always made a rule for myself was to stay within the industry that I loved, which is basically interior design, interiors, and everything related to interiors. So even though I did interior design, and I even though I went into retail and I was selling 
Um, I was actually selling bed linen and and furniture. I always kept within the trade. Yes. Uh, but you don't have to necessarily do that. But I think going back to the original um, question about advice is to be very, very flexible and to never imagine that everything's going to stay the same because it will not stay the same. Industry will stay the same. I mean, for instance, there's lots of pattern at the moment, a lot of pattern. It could be seen as being heavily saturated at, at the moment with with pattern and design who's to say that it's not going to kind of um become more simple and um and there's going to be less demand for lots of pattern it you know or it's going to just change i think you just have to be be open to saying to yourself i've got to reinvent myself and 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 do something different and not get too down about the whole thing. So I would say that would be um, um, some advice and perhaps um, always make sure that you build upon your skills. Stay current. Yeah. Yeah. And and that would probably be the main thing I would think of. Oh, that's great. Diane, thank you so, so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute delight to listen to your creative journey and your creative story and to watch... Um, how how your creativity has evolved over these years too. Um, I wish you every luck with English Decorative. You don't need it. Your work is absolutely beautiful. Um, I very, very much look forward to um, seeing that brand everywhere very, very, very soon. Thank you. We'll, we'll make sure that um, all the contact details for yourself and for English Decorative are in the show notes so that people can get in touch with you to either buy fabrics and wallpapers directly or to commission you for you know for lovely bespoke projects. Mm-hmm.